Broadcasting to New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Sydney, London, and around the world. This is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here today on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG. Coming up on this Thursday edition, there's a lot of debate about guns, and uh, you probably have heard a lot of it yourself. We're going to discuss some of that. It's on the Trumpet Daily Radio Show today as well, so we'll get into uh, some of that. Also, there's talk about uh, drugs and depression, and and, uh, more and more drug companies saying their drugs work and are very beneficial. Well, you don't need drugs, but you do need to control your mind. We've got a great write-up on that. That and more of this edition of Trumpet Radio Live. is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG. We're online at kpcg.fm, and we have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at kpcgfm. Any emails you'd like to send, send those to comments at kpcg.fm. We appreciate getting those. Got some nice comments the other day about a few interviews that we conducted recently, and so uh, we appreciate you sending in uh, those comments. Always nice to hear. Dwight Falk and Grant Turgeon here with you today. Uh, we are in a winter wonderland, I guess, here in uh, central Oklahoma, extremely slippery. Coming in, we've, we've had a couple of rounds of ice. I think there's some more coming uh, here shortly. But uh, when I came in this morning, uh, there were two times where my car I didn't have control of it. Thankfully, I was going at a slow speed, and I could correct it. But there are some parts of the road where the wind blows, and we've gotten this freezing rain. It's just like glass. So you have to be really careful. How how was it for you coming in? Actually, I I did spin my wheels a couple of times, too. But when the speed limit here on campus is only 20 miles the entire time, it's not too bad. The danger a lot of times is other drivers if somebody loses control of their car. So we've had right outside of the station here, we have a, a road that's a little more on the narrow side. Yeah, I think there's about five or six cars in the ditch this morning from really? what reports say. Yeah. Because it's a hill. Oh. And people either trying to get up the hill didn't have enough speed and then couldn't make it and you start sliding back down and that road is uh if anyone's familiar with Simmons <laughs> uh, not much of a shoulder. And so if you start having problems there's really nowhere to go. So the tow companies are gonna be busy today. Yeah, I wonder if those people had to get to work like they didn't have any leeway from their bosses or something like that because uh, a lot of these people probably should just be staying home all the all the schools are closed so they don't have to drop their kids off either my my daughter last night we were watching she's six we were watching uh the the uh tv and they were talking about all the school closings and she said she said a very profound thing to me she said dad why do you have to go to work when they cancel school shouldn't you get to stay home too (laughs) i said well that's a great point I said, however, I said, you, you know, because we were watching the news report, I said, well, they have to go in to do the news report. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that have to drive in to tell you not to go anywhere. <laughs> so and it, there was a great, great clip last night. I hope this makes YouTube. I'm watching the local news here in central Oklahoma. They're talking about how bad the roads are. So they have their, their reporter out there, and he's uh, on a highway, and he's on the overpass, and he's... He's saying, you know, the terrible road conditions. You do not come out here. And behind him, here comes a guy in a four-wheeler <laughs> doing 360 donuts with his hands up in the air, just having a ball. Scared the reporter to death. He turned around like, whoa! <laughs> I thought that is 
perfect. I hope that it makes YouTube because it was a pretty good laugh. That's hilarious. Yeah, two days ago, uh, some of the guys on the local sports radio here were just scoffing at how all the schools have been closed when the, the roads seemed perfectly fine. But then yesterday it got really bad. Uh, so when those guys were advising people two days ago to do donuts, probably some people took them up on it. But then actually yesterday it was pretty dangerous. It's a tough call for schools because it's not only the road conditions at that time, it's what is it going to be. Yeah. And then also, you know, it might be fine in front of your school, but the neighborhood the kid's coming from might be bad. So they have to try to factor that in. When I was a student, I always said, hey, err on the side of caution. Let's just all stay home. <laughs> we got a lot uh, to talk about in today's program now that we've made it in here successfully. Uh, a couple of uh, Olympic notes. Uh, we're going to talk more about this gun debate, which is getting... Uh, quite infuriating in some ways. And also, we're going to finish today talking about this really great write-up from thetrumpet.com about how to defeat depression, because in relation to the gun shooting, there's a lot of, or the school shooting, rather, there's a lot of uh, discussion about medications. And there's this report that just came out that we'll get into where the, the drug companies are kind of coming back and saying, oh, no, these things work great, because that's what they would say. So we're going to look at some of that. Uh, to start out with, in a shootout, the women's uh, U.S. Olympic hockey team beat Canada 3-2. to two. The U.S. won their first gold in 20 years. Pretty thrilling for the United States. Right, and they had just lost four years ago uh, after losing a 2 nothing lead in that game in the final minutes, and then they lost that game in overtime to Canada. So this game was, was like uh, redemption for them to beat the exact same team in the exact same uh, gold medal position there and I guess it is actually the eighth time in the last nine games that they've be- beaten the Canadian team but the Canadians had won 24 straight at the Olympics right which is the one thing that everyone cares about most right the Canadians were a little upset one of the uh, ladies took some flack for taking the silver medal off as soon as she got it mm. she's kind of upset so everyone remembers our good friend Abraham Blondo <laughs> Canadian he was on Trump radio live with us for a while before he moved uh so I got in touch with him. I said, any any comments? And he said, sure. So here, I told him I'd read this verbatim. This is what he sent me. <laughs> he said, the women's Canadian hockey team has won the gold at the Olympics since 1998. That's 20 years, and the USA have always been worthy opponents. I am not surprised the U.S. women won. It will make the rivalry better, even if they had to use a shootout to win. <laughs> Those classic Abraham. Pretty... Right. pretty um, uh, pretty respectable, and then at the end he got a little shot in. So there you go. <laughs> well, the total now is four golds for the Canadian team and two for the U.S. team. <clears throat> and like I said, overall the U.S. team has been just shellacking the Canadian team. They just won the gold over them last year in another competition. But again, the Olympics is where it all it all counts, and that's where uh, finally the U.S. pulled it off last night. The Olympics is supposed to be this show of global unity. Hey, if we don't if we don't get along on everything, at least we can agree on sports. Or can we? Of course, recently one of the Russian or sorry, the Olympic athlete from Russia, uh, the curler, he got busted for in uh, taking drugs to enhance his curling ability. Apparently, um, so that was in the news. And then this one today. North Korean speed skater tries to take down his Japanese rival after a spectacular fall. The North Korean athlete Jong Kwang Bom's abysmal performance at the men's short track speed skating 500 meters heat particularly was memorable 
uh, as his attempt to take down his Japanese rival by grabbing his blade. So he fell down. He didn't appear to be a very good skater, and then he tried to trip the Japanese guy in front of him. The seventh and last of Tuesday's heats featured athletes from South Korea, Japan, the U.S., and North Korea, oddly representative of the four main players involved in the current geopolitical tensions on the Korean peninsula. Jong, who at 16 was the youngest skater in the heat, fell flat on his chest within a few seconds of the start of the race. While lying on the ice, he extended his arm and grabbed the Japanese speed skater, uh... Kita Watanabe's blade in what was either a willful attempt to trip him or to force a restart. Watanabe managed to shake off Yong's grip and kept skating, but the race was halted and restarted as the North Korean cheerleaders, spotting the cameras on them, began their carefully coordinated cheers. Yong <laughs> uh, <laughs> again bumped into Watanabe a few times before falling again and tripping American speed skater Thomas Insuk Hong. <laughs> So congratulations, North Korea, on the the incredible flame out and then the blatant tripping of other opponents. <laughs> Why are they invited to the Olympics? Well, at least they're not hiding who they are, even even among individual athletes. It's it's better than them putting on a show of how nice they are when they're really not. Well, and then uh, the cheerleaders, of course, are very robotic and they have their their um, government sponsored cheer. One of them got caught accidentally cheering for the U.S. <laughs> and was quickly reprimanded. You know, so the thing that's interesting about it is here we're talking about when we talk about, you know, North Korea uh, and their relationship with other nations in the world, they are a massive threat. And you see it, you see the, the same attitude and the same hatred play out even in the most trivial of matters. They, they, they're they going to trip other people. They're not going to cheer for you. And we're supposed to not worry about the fact that they have poten- they have nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's the same childish childishness, uh, emotional immaturity, and it plays out on the small scale, and then it plays out on the bit, most massive scale as well. Well, thinking look back to the U.S. Canada women's hockey rivalry. That's like more intense than any of these these basketball players have rivalries today, where they're all buddy buddy all the time. It's really fierce, and it's why uh, I couldn't stop watching it. But but they, U.S. and Canada don't have any problems at all, they, and yet the rivalry is that fierce. Think about how much North Korea must really, <laughs> must really hate some of these other nations. I mean, they're they're blatantly out there trying to trip and and cheat in the Olympics. At least you didn't see that uh, in the hockey game. No, it's it's just a just shows some of the thinking in that country. So just a disgrace. Uh, moving on from that into uh, the political realm here, just for a minute. Uh, if you were to believe the media, you'd think that President Trump has the lowest approval rating in the history of mankind, not just for presidents, but just individuals. <laughs> but according to a new poll, his approval rating is 48 percent, almost exactly half of the nation. At this exact same time in President Obama's presidency, he his approval rating was only 45 percent. President Trump is actually more popular than President Obama was as far as approval, in spite of the media lambasting everything he does. What would his approval rating be if the media was honest? Oh, wow. It would probably be up in the 80s uh, if if everyone were, if the media were honest, because if you just look at the fruits and you don't listen to everyone's commentary on it, what you would be seeing is that there are a lot of jobs that are here now, uh, that people are getting bonuses and raises and tax cuts. Those are those are tangible things that most every working American will experience. 
Uh, and that's a lot better than <laughs> uh, hearing that he's supposedly a racist. Yeah, I was. I looked at the um, top stories today, I guess, from Washington Post. They sent out their email. And, of course, the top, I don't know, five or six were all very anti-Trump. But it is so juvenile now. It's to the point of just to where you look at and you think, are you serious? These are serious stories. Uh, th- there was one where they had a, a somebody took a picture of his note cards from the meeting he had yesterday with right. the school uh, shooting uh, teenagers that went to that school. And uh, they said, oh, here's an indication of his quote-unquote sympathy mocking him. And he had a couple of questions written on there that were, very, I thought, very good questions. I thought, oh, what's what's the problem? I get you don't like him. I understand that. But don't try to push it at me like you you oh you really figured something out there. I I think a lot of people just get tired of that because it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous story to have. It's just drumming up animosity and anger in in a childish way. Yeah, and he took the time out of his schedule to actually meet with uh, survivors and family members of of victims of past school shootings, and he just sat there and he listened. Uh, that is a valuable thing for a country's leader to do. And he's long called himself a unifier, but it does seem like the fruits of that are, are coming out more and more. Just the fact that he is willing to work with people who disagree with him and he is willing to take the time to listen to other people. Uh, and yeah, he will call out the media for lying about him and he will call out the Democrats for being, for acting like children sometimes. But, but really when you get down to it, who wouldn't actually like him if they met him or if he had any impact on their lives how could how could they say something that is so uh, severely negative about him like the media does well and i i would like somebody to sort of turn the tables on some of those reporters and say okay w- what would he have to do for you to be happy why don't you why don't you just write up a list what what would have to be done for all the for you to be appeased that would i'd be interested to know because the truth of it is just not there's nothing because they are just absolutely determined to be negative of every single thing that he does. I'm all for fair reporting, and if something should be reported, then report it. But to just be completely unfair and biased all the time, it, I think people have had enough of that, or at least a lot of people have. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it has gone way further than anyone would have expected uh, even just a few years ago. The bias has always been there, but it's come to the forefront more than ever where the media is not just biased anymore but they're actively trying to uh, convince people what they should think the media's job is actually just to report the facts and let people decide from there but they're just constantly injecting their agenda and look at look at the way cnn's covered the gun control issue have they even talked to a single person who maybe thinks that there should be more guns in the school instead of uh taking away all the guns i haven't i haven't heard it once yet and yet there are students i'm sure who would have that point of view yeah we might as well just kind of jump into that particular story there uh we have this is right up here from uh miamiherald.com parkland shooter or sorry that was uh that's uh, another story i'm gonna get to here in a second but uh there's there's a, this is about cnn and what happened there i'll jump ahead a little bit in my notes this is from real clear politics it says, uh, shooting survivor, CNN, so the shooting survivor, the teenager is saying this, CNN gave me scripted question after denying question about armed guards. And so Douglas High School student Colton Hobb 
said he was approached by CNN to ask a question at Wednesday night's town hall, but decided not to after the network gave him a scripted question. Quashing one, he wrote himself, Hobb, a member of the junior ROTC, shielded students while the school was under attack from the shooter, said that he was going to ask about using veterans as armed security guards. That's a great question to at least ask. I'm not saying that should be done, but at least it's, it's a worthwhile question. It says, CNN had originally asked me uh, to write a speech and questions, and it ended up being all scripted, he said. I don't think that it's going to get anything accomplished. It's not going to ask the true questions that all the parents and teachers and students have. CNN came out with a statement and said, well, he wanted to give a longer speech than he was supposed to give and yada, yada. And they said, we don't do that type of thing. And, oh, by the way, they do. And they've been caught multiple times. <laughs> CNN has been caught, caught scripting things multiple times. So they come out here and they make their, their what you'd expect their PR statement about it. What they should have just said is, yeah, we don't want to let somebody speak that doesn't agree with our opinion. So that that happened there. And so you look at all these students getting up there and, and throwing out all these ideas and thoughts. It, a lot of it is pretty scripted, according to this student. And so it was a completely one-sided uh, situation. And even with some of the people from the other side, the NRA or, or some others brought in, they were just railroaded into a situation where everyone attacked them. So it was pretty despicable on the whole, I think. Yeah, they had a whole arena of people jeering them. Uh, Dana Lash, the NRA spokeswoman, and then also Senator Marco Rubio. Uh, just because they ha happened to be conservatives, everyone there was yelling at them and interrupting them. The ones who were given a microphone were were saying how they didn't like those two people personally. And one of the, I think it was one of the kids I heard actually even said he sees the shooter every time he looks at Marco Rubio's face. Now that is not the type of commentary that you should have at a civilized debate. You have these two people who everyone there hates and yet they're probably uh, better people than everyone else there and they're sitting there quietly they're listening to what everyone else has to say and they're respectfully giving their point of view and it's just why is the other side all wrapped up in emotion they don't have the facts on their side and they just are basically like you said before the show they're relying on children uh, to push their political points of view because they can't respond to children in any sort of demeaning or superior way or else they'll never live it down right they're trotting out the cnn and these others are trotting out these kids and what is an adult supposed to do you know correct the child and say well actually you don't know what you're talking about because then the media would jump all over that person and say there look at how they treated a child and you made a great point about that about how that's that's really what the bible prophesies our day would be like yeah, it's straight out of Isaiah 3, and it's immediately what I thought of uh, yesterday because I had I had purposely ignored hearing what all these kids had to say because they don't have real-world experience. They still live at home with their parents. They're believing and regurgitating what their leftist teachers are telling them. So I, I avoided it as long as possible, but yesterday I happened to turn on the TV, and uh, it was already on the Fox News channel. They were showing all these speeches that uh, some of these leftist students were giving at uh, I guess it was a Florida, I think it was at the Florida State Capitol, and they were basically just lecturing the Republicans and saying how disappointed they were in them for not banning more guns, and and it's it's not their job. It was it was just them throwing a, t a childish tantrum without any of the facts on their side. It's it's unbelievable to me. Now, first of all, and it's talked about on the Trump Daily today a fair bit, and you, I think you'll hear the audio. 
one of these students said uh, to Mr. Rubio, like you said, when I, I look at you, I see the shooter, or I see the gun, or something to that effect. Now, first of all, that's not true. He does not. That that's just. I I was a teenager one time, and if somebody's starting to give you a little bit of a praise for the things you're saying, oh, it's really easy to kind of, oh, I, I have something to say here, and you, you start to feel pretty confident. And uh, whether that was scripted or he just thought it was a cool thing to say and would get a lot of cheers. Uh, that's what he said. Not, I'm sure it's not true. But, you know, th- they should really stop the meeting right there and say, hang on one second. You mean to tell me that when you look at this uh, public official, who for the most part has tried to serve the country, um, you know, I'm sure he's made his mistakes, but he's out there trying to serve the country and help the country. You, when, you, when you look at him, you, you see a school shooter? Are you Seriously? You're trying to equate the two of them? That, that is ridiculous on every single level. What does that kid even know about, say, uh, Mr. Rubio's involvement in any of it? Does he even know anything <laughs> in terms of, like, policy? How about asking that kid a few questions? Because that's a pretty bold statement to make. Anybody can make a statement like that. But what are you basing that on? But, you know, the kid said it. You can't question the wisdom of a, of a child, and, and they are children. Yeah, and it, and that's one of many examples that show why that CNN town hall last night was an embarrassment, because the people who had the microphone were egged on by the crowd, and then they gave answers or they made statements that were clearly pandering to the crowd that was going to support them no matter what they said. And so they would throw out a personal attack, or they would uh, say something that cannot be backed up by truth, and everyone would just cheer them. It was just... It was just ridiculous, and like Isaiah 3 says, uh, children are going to behave themselves proudly against the ancient or their elders. Uh, that's exactly what was happening there, and it also says that children will be made princes over the people. So this is also happening because we're looking to kids to tell us what political policy should be. Uh, that's just that's uh, an insane idea to think that just because... Uh, some people had a traumatic experience. Now they know all the facts and all the details of a situation and have the authority to tell everyone else what to do about it. And not only that, to tell them that if you disagree with me, you're basically an evil person. Yep. Well, and it's brought out on the Trump Daily Show today, too. Well, how come they didn't have the town hall after the Las Vegas shooting or after the Pulse nightclub shooting? You know, a lot of those shooters actually are from other countries when you go down the list. How come they didn't have a town hall then? <laughs> well, because it doesn't fit the agenda. It, it, it's it's really quite astounding that that they're doing that and they're they're trotting out these children to uh, push their agendas. And I just have to think a little bit about history. Uh, if you think about a, a one sided rally where everyone's just being very emotional and they're they're demonizing the other side and it's getting really heated. Um, Anyone think of anything? Old black and white footage? Ever seen anything like that? <laughs> I think I remember something like that. A lot of fires and flags and people yelling and yeah. th- no 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 actual debate. Just here's what we're saying and we hate these people and 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 everyone just getting fired up about it. I, I have a I have a memory of something like that historically. It didn't end well, from what I recall. <laughs> no, it didn't. And, it, and that was another example of just total will worship, people worshiping whatever their emotions made them feel. Uh, There wasn't a lot of truth involved back then either. And and they were criticizing, last night they were criticizing Marco Rubio for a speech that he gave last week with his uh, laying out ways that they can recover from this and, and maybe provide some solutions. 
his entire speech revolved around the Second Amendment, and he got deep into it and explained what the Constitution and the amendments actually mean and what they stand for. So his approach was based in the law of the land. Then there are other people who come along and they criticize him and say, well, forget about that old document and let's just do whatever we think is right now. Whatever we deem right this week because of our emotions, because of the trauma we experienced, uh, that that trumps any law that's been around since the country's founding. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, what are are we going to be governed in this land by the changing whims of children based upon the way the media is pushing them? Because I saw, I was talking to somebody the other day about just the fact that there was some of these young people were saying, or they actually, they went to Washington, D.C. I think they laid down, they had a lay-in or a lion. A, a die-in. Die-in, okay. <laughs> where they just lay there. And, and now, I mean, people do have a freedom of protest, but uh, they were saying, like, we're going to go there and make sure things get changed. Well, yeah, but you don't, laws don't change on, by protests. I mean, you can express your displeasure in something, but... They were making it out like we're going to just put this pressure on until we force you to change these laws. That's not the way the government works. Because, well, what would prevent the other side from doing the same thing? Look at the approval ratings. It's right down the middle. Mm -hmm. Okay, so for all those that want to protest, there's a whole other group on the other side of it. It's it's a really volatile system. And once you get away from, okay, you can have a debate about it, but then things have to go through the proper legislative process. Now, now you just got a bunch of uh, rioting people. You don't have really a uh, a democracy anymore. And we're seeing people, I don't know, they're starting to act like, well, you can just change. You can do whatever you want. Just get enough people together yelling and, and force the other side to change. And that's not, that's not the way the system works. Yeah, and, and the, these kids who are getting together with in this movement uh, to try to speak out about what's happened, they all conveniently happen to be leftists why is there no toleration for people who might have any other type of solution in the entire world why why is it only the ones who want to get rid of all the guns and also there being that they are children how much are adults influencing them and manipulating them there's already been a story on this show about cnn possibly giving a scripted question to these kids uh there was another girl who gave like four different facts about uh, Florida state law that came directly from a CNN tweet. Uh, so that there's some media manipulation there, it looks like. Uh, their parents might be telling them some certain things to say. And the reason I say that is because I never even knew the difference between Democrats and Republicans when I, when I was in public high school. I mean, when I was 14 years old, 15 years old. I had no idea what any of that was. I had no idea what any kids believed politically or what their families did and I had no interest in it whatsoever uh, so what do these kids really know a whole lot uh, when they're so young and they really haven't thought much about these things at all no they don't <laughs> it would be pretty remarkable for somebody to, to have much insight at that age or, or be that interested in it uh, you, you know it's interesting too one thing that's also lost in all this is the guy that actually did it one guy actually did this, and this is a write-up from Miami Herald. Parkland shooter always in trouble, never expelled. Could school system have done more? So they're looking at the school system side of it. it says, at times, Nicholas Cruz's behavior could be a school administrator's nightmare. Teachers and other students said he kicked doors, cursed at teachers, 
fought with and threatened classmates, and brought a backpack with bullets to school. He collected a string of discipline for profanity, disobedience, insubordination, and disruption. In 2014, administrators transferred Cruz to an alternative school for children with emotional and behavioral disabilities, only to change course two years later and return him to a traditional neighborhood school, uh, the Douglas High School. Cruz was banished from Douglas a year later for other disciplinary violations, then toggled between three other alternative placements, according to school records. If the frequent transfers uh, records show there were six in three years, did little to uh, uh, stanch, <laughs> stanch, nice uh, new word for me, <laughs> Cruz's disruptive behavior, stop it, I guess, they eventually became the only option left in the school district's toolbox. Contrary to early reports, Cruz was never expelled from uh, Broward schools. Legally, he couldn't be long before Cruz carried an AR-15 assault rifle into Stoneman Douglas and carried out one of the worst school shootings in U.S. history. The awkward, socially isolated youth puzzled, disrupted, and sometimes terrified his schoolmates. It was his behavior. He had a behavioral problem for a long, long time. The gun didn't pull him out of bed and drag him to school. (laughs) The disturbed kid pulled the, the gun out and took it to school. Right, and we both know people who own guns, and we do not shake in terror at the thought of people just owning guns. And that's it. They're normal people in every other way, but they happen to own guns. That's not at all how anyone thinks about that logically. Maybe people trying to drive this agenda do. Uh, but here are people who, uh, in, any, in every case of these shootings, they have voices talking to them. They're on drugs. They have broken homes almost every time. They might be inspired by a radical ideology, but every time it's what's going on in their lives, in their minds, that causes something like this. So why do we keep on focusing on guns? Why do we bring up bills that might ban 200 types of guns when there are 2,000 other types of guns, like Marco Rubio said last night, that are identical in every way except for a plastic handle on those guns? I mean, why would you even try to bring up bills like that that totally waste time they don't actually solve anything they just give the mob something that they're looking for yeah i have a a personal example that i think ties in with this uh story a little bit uh when i was in school uh middle school and high school uh in our seventh grade year a kid transferred in uh, a young guy my he was in my grade um immediate trouble he was a troublemaker uh he'd get into fights and he was pretty good at fighting, so he'd win, <laughs> and so he he was he got a reputation pretty quick as a guy you didn't want to mess with, and he the reason he's probably the scariest person I've had much of an encounter with over the years because you didn't know where he would stop, like that was the scary thing about him. It was that you never knew how far he would take something, and that's unnerving. He reminds me a lot of how they describe this kid, where he was just this troublemaker. And he would be suspended and he would come back and, you know, on and on and on. And when he turned 18, our senior year in high school, he came into some money. He had some money that was coming to him for, for something, sort of a trust fund, I guess, thing. And he got it when he was 18. So he went out and he bought a car. And there was a kid that he was having a dispute with. And he saw him walking down the street outside the school. And so this troubled young man, now with 
possession of a car, decided to drive on the sidewalk and run him over. And he did. He didn't kill him, but he broke his leg. And he was charged with attempted vehicular manslaughter. Well, well, it's not the car's fault. Uh, It's his fault. He would have done that. Whatever he had access to was going to turn into a tool of violence. Thankfully, he didn't have a gun. But he got a car, and he tried to kill somebody with it. He was trouble in seventh grade. He was trouble as a senior. He had behavioral issues. You could have given that guy a rock, and he would hit you in the head with it. Right. I I know that. I I know this guy. I don't know what happened to him since. But um, So we've all seen probably a person or two like that. Yeah, um, you do want to think about laws, I guess. But you want to think about behavioral issues. That's the big point. Yeah, and there are points along every step of the way of people's lives uh, where there are solutions. I mean, it does start in the home, from birth, in the family. If the two parents are there, a committed father and a committed mother, raising the child the right way according to God's laws especially, uh, that's that's a good start. But if that doesn't work, uh, you need to make sure that you're not just recklessly describing antidepressants to, to these kids who won't be able to handle the types of uh, problems that it gives you mentally, uh, especially when you're kids. Uh, But then you get to school and those same kids probably start getting bullied a lot. You could address the bullying issue. And it just goes on and on and on where there are so many different ways uh, that you could find solutions. And even even with the gun issue, uh, the NRA, the National Rifle Association, even, even has talked about for a long time banning those bump stocks, which basically you can attach to a gun so that they shoot bullets hundreds of times faster, which could obviously kill more people in a shooting. Uh, but also they've, they've advocated uh, basically making sure that states report to the federal government when there are mentally unstable or deranged people, and that can be part of the national background check so that no matter where that person goes in the 50 states, there can be a background check uh, and and make sure that those people get stopped from buying weapons. So those are other types of solutions where you don't just decide we're going to ban certain types of guns, regardless of how good of a person might be buying them. Uh, you have to look at the person who is crazy and, and only stop those people from buying them. And they, I, I you know, you do feel for the school officials because obviously the job hasn't been done at home with some kids, and then they're dumped on their hands. And I mean, in the case of the the guy I was talking about, uh, I didn't have a dad and he had a mom and we were all stunned because occasionally we'd hear him talking on the phone or something to her. And the way he talked to her, we just like, wow, you can't talk to an adult that way. But it was an attitude issue. And uh, there are people that struggle with that. So what they try to do in some cases is they say, well, they have a mental problem. So let's give them antidepressants. There's a write-up we talked about the other week about all the, the a lot of the shooters had antidepressants. Well, now the reports are coming out the opposite direction, and I wonder who funds them. I don't know for sure, but it's interesting. It's from the Telegraph. It says, the drugs do work. Antidepressants should be given to a million more Britons, largest ever review claims. So some people did this review, some doctors and so forth, and they said, oh, these antidepressants work. I mean, why do they say then you should watch out for suicide and homicide? But they, well, they work, they say, and they, we should give them to more Britons. They say at least a million more Britons should be on antidepressants. We just have to stop right there and say, why? 
what's going on in life that is so bad that you've got to be medicated to make it through the day? That sounds like something to be investigated more than the drugs. And really, the only type of report we need is that a million more Britons need help with their depression. They should not be saying that antidepressants are the solution because they definitely aren't. Yeah, the this, the authors of the largest ever review of the drugs uh, concluded that all these this million more should be on it. It's I don't know what they would say in the U.S. There would be even higher numbers. The research led by Oxford University and published in The Lancet examined 522 trials involving 21 types of medication over almost four decades. All were found to be effective, they said, yet its authors warned that just one in six patients suffering from depression are receiving treatment. And their treatment is you need to get these drugs. So they have some statistics about mental health. Uh, And this is from over in the UK there. One in four, it says, people will experience a mental health problem each year. So that's 25%. 14 is the average age of the onset for depression as diagnosed now compared to 45 in the 1960s. Oh, the the teens are getting depressed for some reason. These are the same teens, of course, that are going to tell us how to govern policy. (laughs) And they're battling depression at 14. They're still living at home. So if it's an ideal home life, would they be depressed? Yeah, you have to question what's going on in a 14-year-old's life. 116%, that's the rise in young people who talked about suicide during Childline, which is a UK counseling session, uh, in uh, 2013 as compared to 2010, the latest numbers they have. 116% rise in young people who want, who are talking about suicide. 8.25%, that's uh, cuts to mental health trust budgets in England, so they, they want more money to be put into it. 20% a rise in referrals to community mental health teams in England during the same period. More people are getting uh, referred, uh, and they just have more and more numbers. Uh, 9.7%, that's a proportion of British people who meet the criteria for diagnosis of mixed anxiety and depression, according to a 2009 study. So if you're walking down the street and you see 10 people, one of them's uh, got... Uh, uh, mixed anxiety and depression going on, apparently. And so it just keeps going on and on and on with these numbers. But what about all that? Uh, what you know, this, You're going to have these studies that come out and they say, oh, they all work. We, know, we need more people on these antidepressants, never mind the uh, killings and the shootings. But there is no doubt that depression is an issue, and it's one that has to be dealt with. And there's this really great write-up from the trumpet.com. Uh, you can find it there. It's from the November 2011 Trumpet Print Edition by uh, Dennis Sleep. Defeat depression, master your mind. It's all about what's going on in the mind. These drugs just um, kind of suppress the mind in some ways. And your resistance to influence, by the way. But there is something in the mind that has to be worked on, and uh, drugs are not the answer. Yeah, there are so many dangers to antidepressants uh, that it's just shocking that people would even turn to those as a solution. Uh, clearly, it's it's a mental thing, and you don't want to have chemically altering drugs put into uh, the mind of some person that already is having issues it's just going to make it worse to 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 fundamentally alter the balance of chemicals in your mind won't help anything yeah i I have kids at home and i oh you know they have their ups days and down days like anybody and typically if you sense it you're like hey what's going on what happened in school? Something happened. You talk about it, hopefully, and, and you, you come to some sort of a solution. You have to go back to God's law and what God says about things. I can't imagine telling my kids, like, hey, it's bedtime. Uh, go brush your teeth, and then make sure you take your antidepressants. Now, I don't know when they take them. I'm 
ignorant of that. Maybe they take them at a different time. But you get my point. I can't imagine just saying, take these pills so that you can just just become happy. I, that just makes me quite sad, actually. Well, yeah, as a parent, wouldn't you want to be the reason that they aren't depressed anymore if they ever got that problem? Wouldn't you want to be the solution since that would be your responsibility instead of relying on some pill to do it? And we don't, you know, don't even know what those pills do. And, and there's plenty of examples of them doing horrible things. Yeah, they're, they're pretty much equivalent to PCP, meth, and cocaine and, and causing violent behavior. Those, those three drugs are notorious for making people more aggressive. And yet the exact same symptoms like agitation, hostility, impulsi- impulsivity, and mania all, all are caused as well by antidepressants, just like these other illegal drugs. Yeah, it's outrageous, and they're just children. I don't know if they're if they're getting in the UK that study if they're if they're having depression set in at fourteen, which I mean you know that's when you sort of go you know you're a teenager and obviously some emotions are maybe going around a little bit more there. There's no doubt you can be a little more moody probably, but you can deal with that. You don't have to start taking antidepressants. And what's the other option? I guess even if antidepressants supposedly succeed, what does success mean there? Does that just mean people? walking around doped up, barely conscious, like totally listless in life. Uh, at least they're not thinking about suicide anymore. I mean, is that is that all that they're talking about? Because it seems like the other side, you turn into a, a homicidal maniac. So maybe it's like you go to either extreme there. Yeah, what about a vibrant life? What about having joy <laughs> as opposed to just numbing whatever's going on? And, you know, it's it's worth noting if you look back in the history of the experts of medical science, there are things that were done not so long ago that people thought was common. You don't feel good, we'll bleed you. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about a lumbotomy? You just want to stick something in your head and see what happens? I mean, people did that, and they thought, well, that's this is cutting edge. Mm-hmm. And then they find out, well, that's a horrible idea. I mean, are we so far advanced now that we absolutely know that, that uh, take these pills, it'll be fine? I mean, and, and I, I don't know who funded those studies, but I'd be interested to know who funded a study saying that those things work. Yeah, because even if we just think about it logically for a little bit, it's pretty obvious that antidepressants aren't causing us to become more thankful and more joyful. They're not actively stimulating the right kinds of emotions and responses to our surroundings. It's just either, like you said, it numbs it or it makes our chemicals so imbalanced that you almost go insane. Yeah, there's it's it's amazing that this uh, write up from the trumpet on defeat depression, master your mind. It's got some just great points, and it's a it's a pretty long article, but a lot of great value in it. So we'll, we'll talk about some of it here. Uh, Mr. Leap starts out by writing that twisted and distorting thinking is the major cause of suffering for people flattened by depression. Notice that it's twisted and distorting thinking. Those who have experienced a major depressive episode feel locked into a painfully negative and mental and emotional tilt-a-whirl. It's a really bad carnival ride you can't get off of. Abraham Lincoln, one of America's greatest presidents, endured a lifelong battle with the scourge called depression. He observed its effects in himself, studied it in others, and learned how to master it. And he also wrote about it in order to help others conquer his powerful personal enemy. Mr. Lincoln recognized that depression's strong grip on a person was generated by self-destructive negative thinking. And so he uh, he knew that you had to control the mind. Uh, and again, it's self-critical, fearful, despairing thoughts. Sometimes they look at, well, I call it depression as if it's just an emotion that comes out of nowhere. But the emotion is based on thoughts. 
the thoughts come, and then that emotion comes with it. And those thoughts are self-critical, fearful, despairing thoughts. And so mastering the mind, that's something that President Lincoln had to do, and he, he did a pretty good job of it. Uh, no indication that he was taking medications. <laughs> he learned to control his thinking and, and get out of the negative cycle of thinking. You look at any of these school shooters or anybody having a major problem, they have negative thinking, and they have to change their thinking. And, and the antidepressants aren't going to do that. Right. I mean, it, it does come down to having a positive outlook on life. And, and that's also related to what we're doing in our lives. How, how can we be positive if we feel like all the time we're accomplishing nothing? We don't have uh, much value to our family and friends. Uh, we don't really have too much of a purpose in life. When we think that way all the time and we think that we're constantly uh, inadequate, that's going to uh, certainly hurt us a lot especially if it's if it's true if we're not living the right way and we're just thinking accurately about that and getting depressed about it uh, that's a that's a death trap right there getting into depression because we're simply not living right yeah and and it sort of is the same it, it, it's this victim mentality almost that we see a lot in society of like well what are you going to you know what can i do i'm depressed all the time so i've got to take these pills well, that's just defeatist. That's just like, well, I'm a, what are you going to do? I have a problem. I'm a victim, so I need pills. As opposed to saying, I need to conquer this. I need to make a change here and see if I can get a hold of this. Uh, Mr. Leap writes that uh, if you are, or he's quoting this author, it says, if you are substantially depressed, you will even begin to believe that things uh, always have been and always will be negative. As you look into your past, you remember all the bad things that happened to you. As you try to imagine your future, you see only emptiness or an unending problems and anguish. This bleak vision creates a sense of hopelessness. This feeling is absolutely illogical, but it seems so real that you have convinced yourself that your inadequacy will go on forever. So what does a medication do, even if it quote-unquote works like you asked earlier? I guess it just numbs you to that but it doesn't solve the problem. So I don't you know who wants to go through life constantly numbing something. Don't we want to solve the problems and go the other way to where it's like, Hey, I'm actually a happy person. I, I have joy in my life. Yeah. Medication doesn't provide any hope or joy. It doesn't give us a, a, a more positive outlook on a better future. Uh, it's just going to help us distract from the reality of our situation. So, uh, Positive thinking, like I said, it comes down to positive doing. If you're constantly doing what's wrong and you feel enslaved to it, then it's it's kind of hard to think very positive about your life and about your future. If you have all these crushing vices, it's how how can you possibly think that you're going to benefit yourself, your family, your your society? It's just not going to happen. Yeah, and it's. It's, we see this in so many so many things in life where people are trying to deal with the effect and not the cause of it. Dealing with depression, there's a cause for it, and just trying to numb it, it's not dealing with the cause. You're never going to get rid of it. Well, those depressing thoughts, they don't just, like you said, they don't just pop up out of nowhere. Like if you're waking up in the morning and doing like a 15-mile bike ride and then you're really strong in your spiritual life and you're extremely productive going above and beyond at work and your family really loves you because of how much you serve and love them. Uh, it's it's almost, I would think that it has to be impossible to think uh, in a depressed way. Uh, but 
if we start to let down a lot of areas and we start to uh, let Satan's influence get in, that's when depression becomes possible. Right. And that's something that they don't think about. They don't talk about Satan's influence. And this article does talk about it here in a little bit. Uh, the points made from Proverbs 23, 7 that Solomon said, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And uh, it's the questions asked here. How well do you control your thinking? That, I mean, that's an interesting point. Sometimes I suppose it's easy to feel that thinking just happens, but we can control it. I mean, we, we are in charge of our thinking. doesn't mean we do control it. We can let it just go, but we're supposed to be in charge of it. And as he says, uh, Mr. Leap writes, in order to conquer anxiety, depression, fear, and worry, you must come to know how the human brain empowered by the human spirit works and you must learn how to properly operate your mind. In addition, you must come to face the truth about your human nature. And he brings out, you know, as the Bible does, that human nature is not a good thing. It's influenced by Satan. But when you start letting God's mind into you by studying his word, and of course it talks about the Holy Spirit too, which is uh, uh, something that comes after conversion, but um, then you begin to balance your mind and get the thinking going the right direction. But, uh, I mean, even just, I suppose, on a physical level, like you said, positive thinking, positive doing, you know, it's going to go positive. It, it it doesn't go negative. Right. And, and that scripture is a really interesting one, too, because it says, as you think, uh, so you so you become. And it is almost like the question of which came first, the chicken or the egg. Did did you start thinking positively and therefore uh, start living the right way or were you living the right way which then made it possible to think positive it has to be uh, really a combination of the two uh, so especially if we're going down the wrong path now uh, sometimes all it takes is just changing one or two bad habits or just looking at it more positively thinking about the situation as if it can be solved uh, so either one of them is a good step in the right direction, whether it's positive thinking or positive doing. And then those two basically will just continually reinforce each other. Yeah, it's a good cycle. We either get into like a good cycle or a negative cycle. Uh, this article says depression is not an emotional disorder at all. Every bad feeling you have is a result of your distorted negative thinking. Illogical, pessimistic attitudes play the central role in the development and continuation of all symptoms. Uh, to recover from depression, people must learn that every depressed feeling has its corresponding distorted or illogical thought. That negative thought came before and created the depressed feeling. If you are depressed, you must isolate, examine, and replace all your illogical thinking with a thought that is based on true facts, which, of course, ultimately you have to go to the Bible for that. And as it points out, it requires work, but it says even those psychiatrists who advocate the use of antidepressant drugs know that drugs work only for a short time. A change in thinking is required to sustain lasting relief. What happens if you run out of your pills? Mm. So uh, as he points out here, you have to stop and say, okay, what's making, what am I thinking about that's making me negative and then work to change it? Yeah, that's right. And it's it's also pretty uh, just fascinating or thought-provoking uh, to consider how everything we do in our entire lives just starts in the mind. Thoughts breed actions, but they also, like you just brought out, they breed feelings. And so uh, sometimes we can decide in our minds to do the right thing. But if we are just going through the motions and we are miserable about it the entire time, it's going to be pretty difficult to stick with doing the right things and, and continue uh, down the right 
going in the right direction. It also you also have to feel the right way about it, uh, decide to feel the right way about it, um, and that's a, that's a pretty hope filled way of looking at it. Just that we do have control, and, and every single thought we can decide uh, whether to dwell on it or whether to put it out of our minds, whether to act on it or or not. Uh, how we're going to feel about different things, uh, it's all up to us. It's just a matter of taking them one thought at a time and, and one decision at a time. Yeah. The, this article points out that the human mind, of course, is a powerful tool, but that power can be harnessed to do incredible good. It's also capable of creating appalling evil. And that's the paradox that people see when they look at, say, a school shooter. You know, you say, well, why would somebody do that? Well, the human mind can go one or two ways. I mean, it can go and do amazing good, but it can also go and do incredible evil. That's not an issue about guns. That's not an issue about anything else other than what's going on in the mind. And so it's very important to consider that. And that's something that, you know, if they wanted to have some sort of town hall discussion. I mean, not that they would know anything to talk about, but why not talk about just the thinking? Why not talk about what's being taught in some of those schools? Why not talk about what do those kids do on their downtime, their off hours? Internet? social media, what are they looking at? What are they involved in? And the, the, the way they get around that is they say, oh, come on, not everybody's a school shooter. Yeah, we know that. But what are you doing with your minds? Is it good or is it leading in a negative direction? Right. And it's the same thing with the antidepressants where uh, anyone will, anyone who's involved and it's being honest will admit that at least a small percentage of people will turn to suicidal thoughts or or violent actions based on taking those pills so it's not every single person who takes the pill who is going to have an issue like that but inevitably some will Uh, is that the type of uh solution that we're looking for saying that oh we can play violent video games fill our minds with any type of content whatsoever because you know what it's it's only like a 90 it's only it's like a 98% chance that we won't become school shooters by putting this stuff in our minds okay but what about the 2% what about even opening the door just a crack to that possibility of of letting ourselves do something like that and that's that's with the hypocrisy of the gun argument the majority of people that own guns will never use them to harm somebody but they say it doesn't matter you know one is too many Get rid of them all. But they'll, on the other hand, say, well, most people watch violent movies. Very few will do anything. Well, isn't one person doing something too much? Shouldn't we get rid of all violent movies? Shouldn't we get rid of all pornography? Because pornography does lead to rapes in some cases. Not every case, but in a lot of cases. And it also leads to millions of broken marriages and families. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt about that either. So there are a lot of these things. It's it's pretty simple when we look at it that way. The gun debate's just basically a way of running away from what people don't understand. Like Mr. Leap says, people don't know about the human spirit and its possibility to connect with the Holy Spirit. Mr. Armstrong wrote about that as well, what, what science can't discover about the human mind, and that's a booklet you can find at thetrumpet.com. Uh, it's all in the mind. I mean, think about if one gun owner is watching hunting shows and the other gun owner is spending all of his hours playing first-person per- shooter games and watching all kinds of shoot 'em up movies as well. If you looked at both of those 
cases, which one would be more likely? It's not saying either one's going to perform a mass shooting, but which one would be more likely to go on a, a murderous rampage? Obviously, the one filling his mind with the content that would lead to that. And people just won't even acknowledge the role that that plays in an event like this. This this person was obsessed with, with just causing pain in the in the lives of other people he was always a threat to other people and it was because of what he was putting in his mind yeah mr leap says do emotions such as anger envy jealousy and rivalry dominate your mind there is a different and better way to live something to think about nobody nobody goes in and commits an atrocity while they're having you know positive thoughts in their head it's all anger envy jealousy rivalry which of course comes from Satan. There's a lot more in this article that you really need to read. And I know a lot of people struggle with depression. And so it's very important to look at this article, Defeat Depression, Master Your Mind. It's at thetrumpet.com. Also, before we close today, I wanted to mention uh, thetrumpet.com specifically, really uh, uh, breaking news today, has uh, Elat Mazar discovered archaeological evidence of Isaiah the prophet the sensational story behind the discovery of a tiny artifact that proves the existence of one of the Bible's greatest prophets. That's just been all revealed today, that amazing discovery. You can find the article at thetrumpet.com. It's talked about on the Trumpet Daily, and there's a video there at thetrumpet.com showing you all about it, including that little uh, clay impression, that little seal. Right, and that clay seal of Isaiah was found just about a meter away from the clay seal of King Hezekiah, which was announced back in 2015 and that just points to the relationship that king hezekiah of judah and the prophet isaiah had it was the the greatest king prophet tandem in the entire bible they worked together under god to save the nation of judah and that's a really inspiring story and there's also some sobering parts of that but every lesson in that story is relevant to us today absolutely imagine this country if you had a uh, a king leader and you have something happen like a gun thing and the first thing they do is call a true prophet and say what does god say about this we can, we can put, put away the debates what about what god says and you can see how it worked amazingly back then and it would still work today if people did that a nationwide day of prayer and fasting that used to happen uh, even even when i uh, the the president's not calling on the true prophet at least we turned to god more back in those days yeah so that's a really really exciting development you can find out all about that at the trumpet Dot com. That's all the time we have for today on this edition of Trumpet Radio Live. Make sure you do stop and check out the Trumpet. Spend some time there. There's a lot to look at today. Also, the Trumpet Daily Radio Show coming up. For Grant Turgeon and myself, Dwight Falk, have a great rest of your day. Be safe if you're on the ice, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. listening to Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG